Hey, this is Welby Pierce. I'm the lead pastor of Hope Rising Church. I want to thank you for listening today. I hope it inspires you, hope it builds your faith, and hope it gives you perspective to see how God is moving in your life. I hope you enjoy the message. Like I said earlier, man, we haven't had a chance to meet you yet. We we want to make sure to meet you at our next steps area, right? Right on the, as you walked in, it would, would have been to your left. We want to, we'd love to meet you there right after service and just put a face with a name because we truly love doing life with you and with people. And uh, we think life is boring when it's doing, when you're doing life alone. In fact, we weren't even meant to do life alone. That's why God created people. And, uh, and so we just, we love doing life with people. And I would love just to, uh, to get to meet you. It's more than a seat. It's more than just a name. It's, it's a life. It's a story of what God's doing. And so we'd love to do that. Well, we're in our, we're in our series, our third week of our series called Difference Makers. And uh, I opened it up the first week talking about what difference makers, kind of our, our, our position is as a difference maker and how we should respond. And, and last week we had Dakota. Our kids pastor, he came up and spoke and just did an amazing job telling us, talking about how to go, that God's called us to go, and uh, just an amazing job. I, I, think, um, I think he maybe reassured us and let us know that that millennial generation, we're going to be okay. They've gotten a bad rap, but we're, we're going to believe in them. I said we're going to believe in them. We're going to believe in the next generations that are coming up. Why? Because they're active. They're the ones leading. They're the ones moving. They're the ones shaking. And uh, I believe that um, I grew up at, uh, I was in youth ministry for a long time, my wife and I, and I always hated hearing the phrase, they're, they're the next generation coming up. They're, 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 they're the leaders of tomorrow. And I was like, dude, they're the leaders of today. Like, like, I, I get it. Maybe they're not in the workforce yet, but they're the leaders of today. And I just thought, man, this, this, uh, in, in, in just in general, our world, that millennial generation gets a bad rap. But man, when I, when I listen and look at, at men of God like Dakota and just see him just, just speaking the word of God, man, I just, I'm, I'm telling you that, that our future is bright and, and, and our today is bright. Our tomorrow is bright and that, that we can believe in those that are young and we can believe in those that are old. Amen. That, Hey, if we're still breathing, God's still got a plan for us. And, and so we're going to keep on taking and moving. And so today, uh, today I have another difference maker coming up to speak today. I'm so thankful for this difference maker. He has served alongside of me uh, for, for many years now, uh, was on our youth staff uh, previously before here and served and just was an amazing uh, help to us. Uh, this, this guy's been an armor bearer for us and him and his family said, said yes to, to the church when, when there was nothing, nothing to say yes to, when, when there was no pipe and drape and there was no sound system and screen or band or, uh, or the whole setup in our kids area. There was no outdoor signage to let you know we were here. Like this, this, this guy and his family was the, was the second family to, to say yes to us and to say yes to what God was doing in their hearts and in their lives and, and wanted to be a part. In fact, said yes um, and believed in it so much, moved from their house uh, to move closer to this area and in this area. And uh, I'm just so thankful that people said yes to Jesus to help us start this church. 
because, because God's got a plan and a purpose for them just like he does for you. And we believed early on that, that we were called to reach people far from God that they'd experience new life in Christ. And I'm thankful today that, that there's, a, there's a man named Enrique Sefuentes that God has anointed and God has, has, has moved in and is such a tremendous blessing, uh, not just to this church, but to me personally. And uh, I want to let you know, bro, I, I wouldn't want to have anybody else today in this position but you speaking to our church. And uh, I want you to know that I love you and I appreciate you. And uh, man, you're my, my brother from another mother. Let's go. And so why don't y'all why, why stand on to your feet. Let's give them a hope rising welcome. Let's put your hands together. Come on, let's make some noise for my boy Enrique Sefuentes. Be seated. Ooh, praise God. Hey, I want to start off first off by honoring Pastor Welby and Kristen. Um, thank you, bro, for your friendship, man. I know we, I've been up here a couple of times already and might, might be repeating myself, bro, but uh, we wouldn't be here today without you, you and your wife. Uh, saying yes to the Lord, to the call of God. You say, you said we said yes when there was nothing there. You said yes when you had a church and there was nothing there. And, uh, and we, all the people that are here, is a testament to your yes. So we thank you and Kristen for stepping out in faith. So we love you, bro. Love you. Love you and, and your wife. So, uh, hey, I'm excited. I'm always excited uh, when I get the opportunity to come up here and bring the word of God. Again, if, if you don't know me, my name is Enrique. Uh, you probably met my wife already. Her name is Car Carmelita Cifuentes. Uh, she likes to call herself Carmen sometimes, and I'm like, babe, that ain't your name. But it's just easier for people to say my name instead of Carmelita. It's like, well, you, you're just saying Carmelita. It's supposed to say Carmelita. It's like, okay, I get it. I, I, I totally get it. So, uh, and uh, we have a... Beautiful seven-year-old now. His name is Ethan. Um, he's a work of the Lord. Let me just say that. So uh, I love my son. We speak things into his life. You're, you're awesome. You're a leader. You're a world changer. And uh, sometimes you got to speak that in faith. Even if you don't see it yet, you got to speak it. No, but he, he's awesome. And he, he has so much energy that I'm like, golly. It's like, I don't know how I can do this, but uh, him and his Beyblades, man, it, it, it seems like everyone in church, it's all about Beyblades nowadays, but hey, I know you didn't come here to, to hear the word on Beyblades, but uh, here we go. So, hey, look, if you have your Bible, I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 6, verses 10 to 28. Uh, my prayer today is that sometimes... We need God to make a realignment. Um, about a week ago, I had to take my truck in to uh, get some new tires. And, and the process, I paid like 100 bucks to get a, an alignment done. I've never done it, uh, but I needed it because apparently certain sections of my tires were being bought prematurely. Well, the cause of that was because my, my, my front tires and my front wheels were not aligned. So I had to get them realigned. So... That's my prayer this morning, that as the word of God goes forth, that there might be things in your life that need an alignment. 
And that's okay, because that's what it's all about. That we come to a place in our life that, that we surrender every part, every part, every portion of our lives and says, God, whatever that area might be, you adjust it, you align it to your purposes. However you created me to be, that's what I want to be. So align it, aligned it, no matter how hard that could be. So that's my prayer this morning. So we're in week three of our series called Difference Makers. Today I want to dive into the life of Daniel in the Old Testament because when I think about a difference maker, Daniel comes to mind. Second, no other than to Jesus, right? Whenever you ask a, get a, if someone ever asks you a question in church, the answer will always be what? Jesus. Oh, see, right? I, I just gave you one, guys. If someone ever asks a question in church, just say Jesus. 99% of the time, you're going to be okay. You're going to be right. Uh, who sacrificed the most in the world? Okay. Um, who gave their life for you? Okay. What is your favorite sandwich? Grilled Jesus. That's right. See? <laughs> that works too. Come on now. Jesus. So how many here know of a difference maker? Maybe in the Bible. Maybe a personal uh, friend that you know that's a difference maker. How many want to be a difference maker? How many here don't respond to surveys at church? <laughs> I want us to look at the life of Daniel and dissect it a little. I want us to gather principles from his relationship with God and how he was able to be a difference maker. Can I help you out this morning? Let me remove this burden right off the bat. You don't have to have a goal that says, my goal in life is to be a difference maker, and if I don't, my life was nothing. You're like, what? So what's the point of being a difference maker? Please don't take it the wrong way. I'm not saying don't have goals, okay? I'm not saying don't strive to do good in the world. I'm not saying don't help the needy, the widows and the orphans. I'm not saying be apathetic. What I'm saying is just do two things in your life. Love God and make him known. You will be a difference maker. This is the purpose and calling of every believer. Maybe you're struggling right now with purpose and you're like, God, I don't know what my purpose of life is. I'm going to tell you right now, every person that's sitting here that might be listening to this word also in podcast, your purpose as a Christian is to love God and make him known. Don't confuse that with that, with your occupation, okay? You might be saying, well, maybe I feel like I shouldn't be a worker bee at this company. Maybe I should be in a role of leadership, or maybe because of circumstances of my life, I always want to be an architect, and I am something else, okay? That's, that's totally different. The purpose of every believer is to love God and make him known. Matthew 22, 37 through 40 says, Jesus said to him, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Daniel was a difference maker, not because that was his only mission in life, 
but was a difference maker by very simply every decision that he lived out was him walking out his relationship with God out. Day in and day out, as we're going to see, no matter the circumstances he was in, he lived out those two things. He loved God and he made him known. So let me set up the scripture that we're about to read into. Is, is it okay if we read the Bible this morning? So we have a couple of scriptures, but hey, if you haven't read your Bible for a week, you're going to get your, your fix this morning, okay? So, so let me, if you haven't read the, the book of Daniel, Daniel in the beginning of the book starts off, he's about a teenager or so. He is a part of the royal family in, in the, in the uh, city or the country or kingdom of Judah. Um, Nebuchadnezzar is the king of Babylon, and during this time, they basically control or overcame Judah. So what happens is, at an early age, uh, Daniel uh, is exiled into the kingdom of Babylon. Nebuchadnezzar asks his people, hey, I want you to bring me smart, handsome, intelligent people from the place of Judah. So he does, and one of the people is Daniel, and also his three friends which you know as uh, Reshach, Meshach, and Abednego, the, the, the kids or the guys that get thrown in the fire, and God does a miracle there and saves them. So, um, so he, what happens is when he comes to Babylon, the king uh, puts him in school, in the Babylonian school, okay? So he begins to learn the Babylonian way, and through process of life, he becomes, he, he becomes a politician, a statesman for Nebuchadnezzar. Um, eventually, he becomes one of the only three administra administrators in the kingdom of uh, Babylon. So he has a lot of power. He has a lot of control. So what happens is the other two administrators become jealous of Daniel and his role. So much so, and I believe it's one is because he, they were from Judah. He was not from Babylon, um, but, but because he was in Judah. The king wanted to promote Daniel as the second man in command. So you, now you have people that are jealous, uh, people that want to come uh, against Daniel. And let me tell you, as you know, when you're doing great, expect salty haters to come up and rise up. Expect it. Maybe you want to start a new business. No one is supporting you. Not even your friends. Let me tell you two things. It's not your job to justify your actions. You have a God that will justify you. It's not your job to prove to everyone your qualifications. God has already qualified you. Can you imagine going into an interview? And you have your letters of recommendation and you just throw on the table and it says, the great I am or God. Talk about a recommendation. That's the best recommendation you can have. So now let's read Daniel 6, 10 to 28. Starting in 10. So now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. 
So now let's skip down to verse 19. By this time, Daniel has been thrown into the lion's den and by the king. And so we pick up the story at verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When, when he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice. Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to rescue you from the lion's den? So let me stop right there. You might be wondering, well, why is the king pleading on the behalf of Daniel? The king didn't want him to be thrown into the lion's, to, into the lion's den. The only reason why is because he couldn't turn back the decree that he created, that he was fooled by the haters, okay? So verse 21, and haters is in the word of God. I'm just kidding. It's not there. Uh, verse 21, Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. Verse 23, the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him because he had trusted in his God. Now verse 25, the king, then the king Darius wrote to all the nations and peoples of every language in all the earth. Now this is the difference maker portion. May your prosperity, may you prosper greatly. I issue a decree that in every part of my kingdom, people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His dominion will never end. His res he rescues and he saves. He performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. And we conclude in verse 28. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. Let us pray right quick. Lord, Heavenly Father, we thank you, God, for the word. We thank you, God, for the message. God, we pray just as you have uh, spoken this word to me, God, and you put it on my heart. God, you've already preached to me. Um, I pray, God, let this word go out. Let it not return void, God. I pray let there be an alignment. Uh, of our hearts, God, uh, with yours, Lord God. So we thank you. We love you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. And God's people said, amen, amen, and amen. So, so here, here's, here's the entire climax of, of Daniel's life, right? He, people hated on him. Um, and all he was doing is living and serving for God. And it's kind of like back in the Old Testament when same thing happened to Joseph. And you always heard those words of Joseph uh, when, when uh, his family came. And uh, he, he revealed to himself that he was Joseph, the guy who they had thrown out and sold into slavery. And he tells him that what God meant for, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. And here's another perfect example of Daniel, uh, people who are hating him hating on him, trying to uh, basically, what's the best word I can say it is, throw his name under the gutter, trample his testimony, all the things that he's doing, for what? For jealousy, for envy, pride, I don't know. But yet God uses his life to do a great miracle, not only in the den, but so much so that he impacts the entire world. That a decree goes out that everyone on earth shall worship no other God but the God 
of Daniel. Imagine if you had that kind of power right now. That Donald Trump would issue a decree that everyone should serve Jesus Christ, no one other. Talk about an impact. I can go and say, well, is your life that you're living creating that kind of impact? So you hear the cliche, when life throws you lemons, make lemonade. Entrepreneurs would probably say it a little bit different. When life throws you lemons, make a lemonade stand. Well, Daniel was thrown a den. With that den, he not only made a difference with the king, he made such an impression on the king that the new decree that everyone should fear and have reverence to God. So when life throws you a den, be a difference maker. So if you're taking notes, that's the title of my message. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, I'm a difference maker. Come on now. Turn to your neighbor and say, I'm a difference maker. Now turn to your other neighbor and say, I know. All right, all right, here we go, here we go. Now here's the irony about the den. Can I tell you a secret? The den doesn't make you. The den just pulls out and confirms what is already in you. See, the platform you have doesn't make you. The platform just projects louder who you already are. If you're expecting for a dent to show up in your life so that it catapults you to the next thing, don't fool yourself. It's just like a fighter. And I, I didn't know, I happened to look at Facebook this morning, but apparently Pacquiao fight yesterday. Is that right? He won? Any Pacquiao fans? Hey, come on now. It's all right. Make some noise for him if you like him. Hey, there's something wrong no, no with that. Um, I'm more of a UFC fight kind of guy, okay? So it's like, oh my gosh, you and violence, and you're preaching. Well, that's okay. I'm not your pastor. Pastor Bubby's right there, okay? <laughs> so you're good. You, you, you can't kick me out or de demote me, I guess, in a sense. So uh, that's okay. So, uh, so what happens when a fighter comes into the ring? He doesn't show up in the ring and says, okay, let me go in the ring and learn how to fight. He doesn't. No, he trains, he spars, he sweats, he cries, he pushes himself beyond what he thinks that he can do. Then and only then does he go into the ring to see where he is against his competition. Unless you're Floor Mayweather, uh, Mayweather. All you do is just back up all day long, so you don't got to train, right, and still win. Oh, so I'm sorry, man. I just, it's not my kind of, not my kind of style, you know. So I, I, I guess he kind of debunks what I just said, so, but that's okay. So just as a ring has ropes or a cage around it that you must walk through before you get into the ring, so does the den. Before you find yourself in a den of difference maker, you must walk through and work out some principles or ropes in your life, just like Daniel did. So let's look at some principles or ropes that we can, that we can learn from Daniel's life that we can use uh, to be difference makers. So here's rope number one. Daniel wasn't willing to compromise his standards. 
Daniel wasn't willing to compromise the standards. In Daniel 6, 10 through 11, it reads, Now when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. Then these men went as a group and found Daniel praying and asking God for help. Even though it became illegal to pray to God, he didn't compromise. You might be wondering, well, hey, this is only one time that we read it. Plus, Daniel's 80 years old by the time he's thrown into the lion's den, so what does he have to lose? Right? Oh, he's a mature Christian. Of course, mature Christians don't compromise their standards. But let's look back earlier in his life when he was 15 and 18. Daniel 1 and 8 says... But Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with the portion of the king's delicious delicacies. I'm sorry, I'm getting hungry. Nor with the wine which he drank. Therefore, he requested of the chief of the eunuchs that he might not defile himself. That's when he was 15 and 18. That's, what, 60, 70 years difference? Look at the verse again. It says, Daniel purposed in his heart not to eat of the food of Nebuchadnezzar had provided. Now the phrase, he might not defile himself, suggests that the food the king was serving was a kind of food that the Jews weren't allowed to eat. Remember that the Jews had many dietary uh, restrictions uh, from the 613 laws in the book of Leviticus that you can read that were declared unclean. Now here's my point. Daniel didn't have to uphold his Jewish standards back when he was young. He was away from home in a foreign pagan kingdom without his parents around. He could have eaten the food without a second thought. A modern-day example of this would be if, say, you send your kid to, your, to their friend's house, right? And you've already instilled in them there's certain games that they shouldn't be playing. Like Mortal Kombat X, Right? Uh, at the age of six, all right? If I, I'll play Mortal Kombat X all day. I have no problem with that, right? But wouldn't it be cool to find out that they played it or there, was, there came an opportunity where your kid could have played it, but they chose not to because they had a conviction that that's something they're not going to want to do? The things that you're teaching your kids, when it gets played out, when no one's there, that's when you're very proud, right? Those are your proud moments. You're like, man, they're getting it. They're getting it. Daniel didn't have to maintain his Jewish standards, but he did. This young boy had the precepts of God as well as integrity so instilled in him that it mattered to him whether he pleased God. It didn't matter what everyone around him was doing. According to the text, only Daniel and his three friends refused the king's food. All the other captives at whatever the king was offering, this didn't matter to Daniel. He wasn't going to compromise. This is an extremely important lesson for young people as well as adults to get. Peer pressure is a powerful thing. It's been the cause of many young people to lose their faith. 
As followers of Christ, we must decide up front, just like Daniel, that we're not going to compromise our biblical principles no matter what. That's okay to get realigned. As, like today, sometimes you know when it's going to be like, man, it's going to be good. And you're like, Lord, it's like, God, you're just working in me. You're working in me. So, that, hey, I'm okay with that today. This is an extremely important lesson, again, for us to get. Just as Daniel purpose in his heart, we must also determine whatever comes our way. We're not going to forfeit what we know is acceptable in the sight of God because the pressure will come. Somehow, some way, you're going to get negatively influenced by your peers, your coworkers, your friends. But if pleasing God and living according to his will truly is important to you, as it was for Daniel, it'll be easier than you think. Decide right now that if something comes up, you know it's contrary to God's word, you aren't going to participate or condone that behavior. So let me ask you this. What are some, st- what are some standards that God has given you? Let me, say, let me say this. Not all standards are black and white. Not all standards are sin issues. Some can be personal ones, like health, spiritual disciplines, food. Food's not one of mine, okay? (laughs) God is still working the food out in me, okay? I I blame the church plant. I blame the church plant. All the stress, all the eating out, all the fellowshipping. Remember that word fellowshipping back in the day, right? Fellowshipping meant is if there was no food, it wasn't called fellowship, okay? Um, I was thinking about that. I was like, you know what? If I, if, if I was back in the Garden of Eden, I would have been good. I wouldn't have sinned. You know why? Because it was fruit. Now, if it was some fajitas, hey, don't, get, don't touch them fajitas from the tree of good and evil. It would have been over. But I would have been good. Fruit? Nah. We're straight. I would have been good. So what are some standards, again, that God is, is doing in your life? Um, is it okay if I get personal? It's okay? Um, I remember a couple years back. Again, I'm, I'm going to be okay. Judge me if you want. Um, you remember that movie, NWA? Oh, we got a lot of safe Christians. Okay, all right. Um, I grew up in the hood. I, I remember growing up listening to rap and all this good stuff. So when NWA, uh, Straight Outta Compton came out, I went out and watched it with a friend. And uh, you're like, oh, my gosh, you're talking about standards, but you're over there watching that movie. Um, and that's probably, what, five, six years ago. I can't remember when it came out. But anyhow. But I've always had a standard. I- I'm okay with people cussing. I'm okay watching movies that cuss, right? But my wife knows, and I have an issue where there's nakedness involved, okay? Um, So there was a part of the scene of this movie, and uh, 